Hey, hey, hey. What is up, guys? Uh, I don't even know what day this is in our quarantine or social distancing or whatever you want to call it. I have a new hobby, you guys. I am gardening. And you know what? It's really interesting because Brett, my husband, he has been telling me all this time we've been married. We've been married for seven years. I am a super anxious person. And he has always told me, you know what? You need a hobby. You need something that doesn't have any attachment to your career or that is super results oriented or kind of uh, anything that exacerbates um, the type A-ness in me, which is funny because when we were dating, I kind of told him that I was really interested in playing video games. He's a huge gamer. And when we were dating, I was like, yeah, I play some video games. Y'all, I have probably, since we've been married uh, and together, uh, I probably played like uh, video games maybe, I don't know, five times, if that. Um, So I totally exaggerated that because I thought that that would make me more attractive being a gamer girl. I am not a gamer girl. Video games make me anxious. They do because I don't know how to do those. uh, What do you call it? Um, I can't remember what it's called when it's from the the shooter perspective or when it's from first person perspective, I guess that's what they call it. Those games make me crazy anxious because I can't see from that viewpoint. It just, I'm just not used to it. So I remember we tried to play one of those and I was like, "Eh, yeah, this is not working for me. So uh, we haven't played video games in a while, but this weekend we went back old school and we played, gosh, what was that video game? We played, oh, we played um, Mortal, was it Mortal Kombat? I think it was Mortal Kombat. It was one of those. And that I can do. That I can do. And that was really fun. So I think we'll probably be going back to more of the old school games for me because I'm just not advanced enough to do this uh, this new stuff. I'm not. But I, I, I have my own thing now. I have my own thing and it's gardening. And I kind of took it up last uh, last year a little bit. But with this being at home so much, I probably like most of the world has taken up gardening. So I have planted some vegetables, some tomatoes, cucumbers, various lettuces, um, some herbs, and I have a teeny tiny tomato coming in, which is really cool. I've never seen a tomato that small in my life. They're even smaller than the little ones that you get at the store. It's like super tiny, so it's going to grow a lot bigger. So I'm very excited about it to be able to grow stuff, and I really hope nothing dies because... uh, given my history with plants, a lot of things have died. So um, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that that I am able to keep this stuff alive. And maybe we have stuff coming midsummer that we can eat. That's going to be so exciting. Um, So that's what I've been up to. That's what I've been up to this past week, kind of getting my garden together. uh, With, I'm, I'm, this episode... (laughs) I don't even know how to introduce this episode. This episode uh, is with my friend Jim. And we talk about how he kind of fell into the sex doll business. How he um, became the owner of this business where he would sell sex dolls. And I know nothing about this. So I'm learning along the way. Like I am 
flying blind here. I know Jim. Jim is a filmmaker. I know him. We did this YouTube series called Apocalyptic Playground together. So uh, I actually had no idea about his this other side, uh, this other business that he had going on for a while. Um, so just note, be advised that we talk about, you know, some sexual stuff. So if you have kids around and you don't want them to ask about what a sex doll is, then you might want to put on some headphones earphones, earbuds, listening to this. So this is going to be really, really interesting. Um, So I hope you guys enjoy. I'm not going to do that. I just wanted to hear where I was. I'll just stay here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jim, thank you for coming today into my closet. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. So we're just going to jump right in. Okay. Sex dolls. Uh, How does it happen that you fall into that business? Because you're not in that anymore. No. no. Um, I'm a filmmaker. Yes. You're a filmmaker. That's how we met. Right. Um, But how how does that happen? Let's start at the beginning. All right. Well, I met my dad when I was 27. So... Oh, I didn't know that. Around 92-ish, 1993, yeah. And um, he he didn't grow up, like I grew up Mormon somewhat. Okay. And with my mom. And then he, I met him when I was 27. And then I ended up leaving Mormonism after that. Um, So he was not Mormon? He was never Mormon. No, he was never religious or anything. He was quite a playboy, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, he was kind of everywhere. And so... In the early 90s, he lived in Hawaii, and that's where I was born, actually. And then he he built this trailer out of wood, this gorgeous trailer that he wanted to, like, live in. So he didn't, like, they had a house in Maui in the jungle, but he didn't want to live in the house. He just wanted to use the shower. So he, he lived mostly in this trailer he built in out in the jungle jungle, you know, like a little ways away from the house. Oh, wow. And he would draw pinup girls and some of them would end up in easy rider magazine okay and they're all done with graphite pencil and just like 40 to 50 hours in each one so they're just gorgeous drawings probably i don't know what you'd call it today like they probably don't fit into today's pc standards right but at the time you know now was he an artist by trade is that what he was doing at yeah the time? Okay. he was like an artist and a woodworker so he built furniture and, and just interesting artistic things like the trailer that he built. He, he had also built two gypsy wagons, like full-size gypsy caravans with the wagon wheels and everything. Oh, wow. That's incredible. In his life. So I think he built three of those in his whole lifetime, two by that time. So he built the, he's living in this trailer and he's sitting in the jungle drawing girls. <laughs> and then he would like send one to easy rider magazine and they would put it in kind of like a centerfold kind of a thing in the middle of the magazine. And then they would give him free ad space and he would sell those drawings, which he probably has 60 to 70 of them maybe altogether. And, you know, only maybe 30 or 40 of them ended up in the magazine, but then he would sell, you know, lithographs of these and that's how he made money. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And um, that's how he did things. He always built or drew things and then said, do you like it? Then buy it. Great. He, he never let anyone tell him, hey, I want you to draw this for me. You know, and then he and then 
he would have to please what they're asking for. Yeah. They would have to just buy it the way he did it. That's, yeah, so he had authority over right. his own yeah. art. A little bit of a control. Yeah. Okay, so then how did you end up meeting him at 27? That's a good question. I know I had tried to find him a couple of times when I was getting married and unsuccessfully because he was in Hawaii and kind of off the grid. And um, somehow we had our first baby and I think she was maybe one and a half when I met him. And somehow, you know, he, he knew in Costa Mesa to look for this person and my other uncle on my mom's side and somehow it got connected. So we got to know each other a little bit. That was in 92. So about 98, someone says to him, hey, you, you draw beautifully. Have you ever thought about sculpting one of these girls in your drawings? Because you he had a specific style. It was a little bit Japanese okay. looking, a little bit. Anyway, so he said, no, I never, never thought about it. But he was kind of retired at that point and just kind of started poking around with sculpting. And next thing you know, I go to his house and there's this woman sitting in a chair with her back to the door. This, he still lived in this trailer. He had brought it to, the, uh, to California. And here's this woman sitting there. And I'm, I'm not saying just like one color. She was like colored, you know, like skin a skin tone, you know, and he did the whole thing. He painted her and did the makeup and eyeballs. And I mean, it looked like a real person sitting there. Oh, wow. And wig so, and clothing. So he had a wig and clothes. Oh, on yeah. Her? Yeah. Just like some woman was sitting there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, wow, you know, this is amazing. This is I mean, it was incredible when you consider he just used what he had and he had no money. So he was like rolling up newspaper and then he would like crush things together and then put cover it with bondo okay and then smooth it out and then stipple it so i mean you basically had a skin texture and everything on there it's amazing incredible it is it is and and not just realistic but cute like you know he had it right out of his head you know this is this is the perfect woman to me you know (laughs) that's what he did and uh i was i just remember sitting there thinking this is amazing you know i obviously know where i get my artistic jeans yeah but what are you gonna do with this you know that's what i asked i was like what are you gonna do what what, what are you gonna what did he say i'm thinking about he says i think i'm thinking about making some molds and maybe making some and selling them to those guys at the car shows because we used to go to these old car shows and some guys would have like this silly dummy that's supposed to look like a girl It's like not even like posing against the car. Yeah, but it was like really terrible looking. And it wasn't even mannequin looking. It was just these bad dummy things that they'd stick there. And he goes, I could just sell them to them. And then they would have this cute girl sitting in their car. And I said, well, that's interesting. You know, I go, you might sell a few. In my head, because, you know, my whole background is in marketing. So I was like, that's going to be a rough set. You know, (laughs) that's going to take a while. You know, that's a huge markup from like dummies that they're buying. Right, right. To have like a very real looking woman against right. the car for maybe a weekend. And I'm thinking, okay, it's going to take a, wa- a lot. You know, all the all the money and the and the uh, planning s- stuff started going through my head, which he didn't really think much about any of that. Anyway, I said, have you ever looked at this? And I had just a few years before someone had shown me some of these other doll companies on online you know, that were high-end silicone dolls. And when he saw that, you could see the the wheels start turning in his head, like, huh, that's interesting. Now, wait a minute, were those dolls, like, used as sex toys? Mm -hmm. Or, okay, 
So you gave him the idea? I think so. <laughs> I think so, strangely. And this is around 2000, so I had just got divorced, and I just, at that point, was like, okay, I'm done with the Mormon church. And, you know, you start rethinking your ethics, and you start rethinking your your standards as far as what's okay and what's not okay. Not that I was going to go buy a sex doll, but I was thinking, well, I don't see why someone else shouldn't. How, you know, yeah. that's their prerogative. I don't care. And if and I, I was also worried about my dad because he had just came come back from the States and he didn't really have a lot of money or a job. And he was living off very little money each month. But he was very small. He always thought small, like, I'm going to live here. Don't buy me presents. I don't have room for stuff. He was very modest. Yeah. And he stayed and he, just, he didn't eat much. He was always very thin and just kind of lived a very tiny life. Then comes this idea, and I was like, well, what do you think of this? And so one thing led to another, and then we went to um, a sex show in L.A. called Erotica L.A. or something like okay, that. Okay, I've LA seen those Erotica. signs, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a smaller of the ones. It wasn't the big one in Vegas, which we went to later. How long w- from the point you proposed the original idea? You showed him the, the hey, look at these silicone dolls, to... Going to LA Erotica within a year. Okay. Yeah. So he had been milling over it for a little bit. You yeah. warmed him up to the idea. Yeah. He had probably like looked online and saw yeah. like, oh, this could make a lot of money. Right. Okay. Right. Or at least something. You right. Know, at least pay back something. Keep him alive. He didn't need more a than lot. a car show. Yeah. Right. Right. And he wasn't the kind of guy you'd be like in. Well, he's gonna not like this idea because he's above it, or he's, you know, this is a guy who taught me a lot about sex. Even though I was like 27 when I met him, he'd been everywhere with lots of people and tried every drug, and you know, he just is a guy who got around. So the last thing he's gonna do is be judgmental of me, telling him, "Hey, why don't you turn this into a sex doll?" <laughs> you know, he's gonna be open to that. So we go to this erotica LA. And we get there and we're walking through and it's not that big. So immediately we run across this guy who has a sex doll for sale and it's um, presentation is everything. And what sex dolls are heavy. So I'll give them this. So it's funny. We're walking along and here's the sex doll hanging by a engine hoist. <laughs> so the engine hoist is linked to something coming out of the top of this doll's head. And it just looked like something out of a horror film versus something sexy and yeah. nice. Plus, the color that the guy used in his silicone, I assume, was a Caucasian color to begin with, but had a gray cast to it. Mm. So she looked a little dead. Let's just say that. <laughs> you know, Zombie sex doll. Yeah. Zombie. <laughs> That might be a market. Who knows? <laughs> I know someone might be. I it's mean, a what small is it? Necrophilia? Yeah, like necro- when people have to like right. to have sex with, dead. you know, the dead. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I guess there could have been a market for that. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we walked up to that and my dad, you should have seen his face. It just fell. Like to me, I would look at that and go, oh, awesome. Because I can outdo that. Right. No problem. Just pigment alone. I'm good. You know, I can make a doll that looks better than that. And he was the other way around where he's like, I don't want to be involved in anything like that. Mm. And so it made him feel like maybe we shouldn't do this, which is an interesting yeah, that's thought a, process. right? Yeah, because I, I would assume that knowing, especially him being an artist for most of his life, that he would see that and have the same yeah. like train of thought as you is like, oh, well, yeah, I could totally do better. I right. mean, just on the basis of looks alone. Yeah. 
and 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 having it already look more realistic. Totally. Okay, so he at that point he saw that and then he was like, "Yeah, I don't know if I want to do this." Yeah, yeah, it really hit him. He like took he did this. He always did this thing where he'd like touch his beard and turn around and just kind of look down like I don't know. And I was like, "Huh, what's going on in his head?" And that was when he brought that whole thing up. And I said, "Well, let's go like at least touch it." And it was extremely soft, which was, you know, that was the best thing about that doll was that they had managed to get the silicone or whatever it was made out of real flesh-like, like like Mm. really soft. But the rest of it was fairly scary. And, you know, it was just the sculpt of the face was kind of odd and the eyes were off. She did look like a deer in headlights. (laughs) And it's funny because you start calling them she and her and you start referring to them like they're a real person. It just becomes, it's, it's kind of funny. So um, that was that. And the hard part was to find then to find somebody who would make the molds. So wait, from that point, did you, were you able to, I guess, convince him back into the idea of like, look, you could do way better than this. I did say that, but I wasn't really trying to convince him because he was hard to convince. Like he either had, he had to convince himself. So he came around. Yeah. He came around on his own pretty much. He had a beautiful um, sculpture looked really good and it's because he had a good aesthetic sense and he'd drawn women and he understood you know here's where your eyes should be over here looks weird you know like that you know you 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 just understand what looks good and what doesn't and um but he did have an interesting set of faces that he sculpted later some people referred to them as more of an anime feel to them okay i guess that's that could be Good. They weren't as realistic. Right. They were more fantasy. So see people were referring to them as that, that. Anyway. All right. So we're here. Where do we want to go from here? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you guys go to this this sex. What do you call it? Um, exposition. Exposition. Yeah. Um, you see this doll, and then eventually, I'm assuming, like a couple months down the line, he he's going for it. The, what's the first step? Well, the first step would be to start building them. But the molding process, see, he had this doll that imagine she's sitting here. So, and she's hard as a rock. So like she's made of Bondo and, um, and what is just, Bondo? Bondo is something people use. Typically you find it at a, um, an automotive shop. People use it to fix dents in their cars. Oh, okay. I've it's heard like Bondo. putty. Okay, you yeah. put part A and part B together and then it hardens and you sculpt that into a space and then you sand it. And he was constantly doing. So he would, instead of using a clay to sculpt, he would use this. So with clay, you can pull stuff apart. You can take away what you need and leave what you, or leave what you need and take away what you don't need. Or you can add to it. With Bondo, it's all about just kind of adding to it and then sanding it and adding some more. I've tried it since then, and it's painstaking compared to, say, using a clay where you can just sculpt. Right. But once it's on there and hardened, it's, it's uh, you know, you, you can't bump it and ruin it like you can with clay. You can, just different uses, different ways to do it. So he needed now somebody who could come along and take this object that's not flat. She's not laying flat, like on a bed. She's sitting. She's sitting. So it's kind of a curved position. And he needs someone to take that and make that into a mold. Okay. So you imagine a front and a back side to a mold. It then becomes a structural challenge. And um, I knew nothing about any of this stuff (laughs) at at the time. Things have changed. But um, at the time, you know, I'm making films and I'm like, that's really cool. That's really cool. And then I drive back to LA and, you know, go back to my life. 
finally he met somebody at a coffee shop who was in a wheelchair and they both kind of became friends. And this guy went and found a couple other guys from Cambodia who lived here in Long Beach. And they're the ones who one, well, actually one of them was the one who um, understood how to make molds and was willing to work with my dad on that. So we had run into some other places where, you know, this is a series of two years, I think, looking, maybe longer. Looking just for the mold. We're yeah, trying to find For a the mold maker, yeah. And, you know, he's like, I've got the product, but it, now I have to con- convince some company that has the ability to make it into a mold yeah. into working with me for very little. So it might have been like 2006 or seven by the time these guys arrived that someone had found these guys and linked them with my dad. And so they got together and they build these molds and they started with building the molds out of, um, well, the backup, I think he borrowed 25 grand to get a place so they could build them because you have to have a place and you have to have all this, you know, there's a certain amount of money that goes into this. And that's very little money considering, you know, what you're trying to make. So I think it, it rented the place for six months and then also got the materials to make the molds to make and to make the first doll. Now, do you know where he got the money from? I'm trying to think here. The guy in the wheelchair. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think, yeah, there there's a little bit of drama to that. Um, I was not involved at that time other than I knew them and I would come down and chat with them and I just threw in my two cents and then once the doll well yeah once the doll was finally made then i got more involved as a photographer just to take pictures for the website and i got his website set up and stuff like that and then once the once the website was established what was the name of the business he called it ruby 13 why he says it was 13 trials before he finally got to where he wanted to be so that's all and ruby i'm assuming was the name of the doll I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he had a drawing. Actually, I think I still have. No, I actually sold all the drawings. Um, he had a drawing that was just of a girl from, say, here up, just her head, basically. And I think she was. And it said Ruby on it. And that was a name he always liked. I don't know where it came from. I asked. I know I asked, like, Ruby 13, what's that? That could be misconstrued under all sorts of things. But, <laughs> and I'm sure someone has thought weird things about that. But Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering, like, did he ever meet a Ruby in his lifetime? Was he ever in love with a Ruby? Did he ever yeah. marry your dad? He married twice before he met my mom. And so he was kind of done with marriage by the time he met her. He had two daughters before he had they had me. So he kind of got in this thing where he'd get married, have a kid, or maybe he got married because he had a kid, you know? And then when he met my mom, she might've thought, yeah, well, if she, I don't know. That's something I'm like digging into. You always want to know how you came about. Oh, totally. You know, what was it like when your parents still liked each other? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So your dad has just started this business that his friend the gentleman in the wheelchair has helped him out. Right. You found the mold maker. You've got the website. Right. Ruby 13. 13 tries. She's here. Yeah. What so, happens? I think it was August of 80, or sorry, I'm sorry, 08, not 88, 08, 2008. I think it was about August that somehow I got pulled into the whole situation so I'm still doing my work on, on the side, making videos for companies and films and things and 
design. And then I'm also now doing photography and my dad wants me involved. Like he wants me to be a partner and stuff. And I'm just like, okay, whatever, whatever you want. I don't, you know, and then I would drive down to Orange County every so often and talk to him about what he needs to then go back to my normal life, you know? So it was kind of like this thing I do on the weekends. How was his first year of business? August is when the first doll finally came out, August of 2008. And I was online already. My dad was never online for a long time. He didn't know how to get online. He didn't have a computer. So I did everything online for him, including being his voice after the guy in the wheelchair was in on. He was the voice on the online. They have a thing called the doll forum, which if you ever want to read interesting stuff, go there there's is it still up oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) there's probably last i was there was a while ago but it was sixty thousand members you know and these are people who are just talking about dolls all different types of dolls um how to take care of them which ones to buy did you have a good you know was that a good purchase for you you know just like you would about cameras or anything else right but it's all doll talk you know (laughs) and um I was doing that. I started getting in on that. The guy in the wheelchair, I guess, got angry at some people. And my dad said, I don't want someone to be angry at people. We're going to lose customers. And so then I got involved. And then the first doll came out. That all happened. It took him six months, I think, to make the molds for one doll. Because there's actually two sets of molds for each body. There's an inner mold for the inner part of the body. And then there's an outer mold for the skin. So, I didn't even think about that because obviously it has to be anatomically correct. So yeah, you have to and, make sure that the inside is yeah, yeah. and light, working and light, <laughs> and lightweight. So there were there were two sets of molds. This is the mold for the foam and then the mold for the skin later. Okay. Very technical. I knew nothing about how to do any of that. Like you have to you know pour stuff into a mold and then you let it sit overnight and come back the next day and take it out. And, and they only had one mold to start with. Yeah, one interior mold and one exterior mold. Okay, so the obviously production is real slow. You're making right. one doll at a time. Right, okay. right. So they did that, and then we started selling. And I, I remember asking my dad, I'm like, so this is a new product. How do you know it works? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. not to be put, um, you know, nosy or anything, but have you tried this out? And he's like, no. I'm like, well, then how do you know if it feels good? And he's like, well, I don't. I assume it does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then the first doll comes out and it's sold. And then does that kind of like spread like wildfire? Like, how does it? No. How no. <laughs> was there a, oh, great. Now we're making money. Like, how did everybody do remember how like your father felt, how they felt at that point? Was it kind of like, great, now this product is out there and now we just need to just sell it and make yeah. more? Yeah. Um, well, my dad was talked to by some guy that's on the forum. I think he now owns the forum. And he told my dad, you don't need to do any other kind of marketing. You just need to be on the forum and you'll make a million dollars. Like he's just, you'll make a lot of money. He made a lot of promises to my dad. And I think he actually wanted to get in and and become basically in my spot, which looking back on it's like, it would have been fine. Go ahead. But I felt like he was a little bit of a, a shark. Like he was coming in trying to see what he could get. And my dad wasn't doing so well health wise. So, um, he died in 2013. So it's a five year period or five or six year period that we were working together on this. And I didn't know he was going to die. It just sort of happened. So 
That's why he only borrowed 25 grand. He never thought we would need money for marketing. And I'm a marketing guy. That's, that's my, <laughs> I, I was in graphic design and marketing for, um, from 95 till 2006. And then I got into film, but it's all about marketing. Even the videos I did was about marketing. And I said, what are you going to do about marketing? Where's your money for that? I don't have any because we don't need it. This guy over here says we just need to be uh... on the forum. And I'm like, mm, wow, putting all your eggs in one basket. So the first one came out, I think they sold maybe three. And at that point, the silicone was still fairly firm. And I remember it looked great. It was softer than obviously the prototypes, which were made of Bondo, but it was still firm. And it was like, hmm, I'm not a doll person, but this doesn't look right to me. Right. It doesn't, I should say it didn't feel right. It looked and, great. And so at this point it's out. Still no one has tried it. Like you're dead. None of us. Okay. None yeah. of you guys yeah. tried yeah. it. As far as I know, <laughs> you know, who's going to admit to that? <laughs> They're going to just like, yeah, yeah, no, I haven't done it. So... So nobody, like, I think the the guy who works on Real Doll, there's a video of him somewhere talking about, he goes, have I tried, you know, made sure it worked? Yes, I have. He admitted to doing, you know, and it's like, well, if you're going to do that and it is a sexual thing, someone needs to try it out before you put it in the public. And yeah, but I, it, that the supposedly didn't happen with, with Ruby. So other people, I think a few people bought one and there were no bad reviews but there were no amazing reviews yet. Mm. And at that point he wanted to, he sold them for six grand. That was the first selling point, uh, price point. So six grand. And then, you know, people are like, I don't know. Um, I don't know how good this is. And when you're going to pay $6,000 for something, you need to hear some reviews. Yeah. And amazing reviews. Yeah. <laughs> right. And they loved the look. That was the thing. Everyone saw my dad's dolls and loved the look of the dolls. In fact, you know what? I actually brought some boobs here. I had them in storage and they're in the car. So we should get them. Okay, no, we're going to get, we're going to stop and I'm going to have you get the boobs. (laughs) I forgot I had those. Yes, that'd be good. Because then you'll get a sense for something, uh, how silicone feels and so forth. Okay, so I had to take a little break so he could go and get the boobs out of the car. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh uh they are very real, very uh robust. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word for it. Um it is very creepy as to how real they feel. Like <laughs> my reaction to touching them it was like I had to stop. It's gosh, it's shockingly real like now feeling one you're like oh that's that's the draw right there yeah you know yeah they look a certain way and then you oh that could be hard or whatever but these are very soft okay so they figured out a way to make the silicone softer (laughs) obviously (laughs) so let's go to um in 2013 my dad passed away so i came down from utah i was living in utah at the time and the company was in Orange County in California. So I was what they call now the an owner. You know, I owned my dad's, whatever his shares were and whatever my shares were. Came down and I'm responsible now for paying for the studio, which he something he used to do. He paid the monthly rent and the utilities and everything else. And when someone would buy a doll, they paid up front, which uh, is a problem later. So... 
they would pay and then we would buy the materials with that money and we'd build it. So within about 10 months, I started looking at the bank account and thinking, huh, we're like behind like 15, 20 grand. And I was thinking, I don't know where that's going. And so I started looking everything up and I could not come up with it. And then all of a sudden I just started realizing, huh, what does it cost to make a doll? And this is, believe it or not, like we're 2008. Now we're at 2013, 2014. No one had figured this out. How much does it cost to make a doll? So you should take, you know, your, your materials cost and then add in hourly labor costs. Well, we don't know how long it takes. And I, I remember bugging my dad about this and there was a certain point at which I had to stop asking because he didn't want to yeah. talk about it. And at that point you weren't hands-on in the business. So you, you didn't have a, you I know. was the photographer yeah. and I would get online and talk to people. And when orders came in, I made sure that everything was given to my dad and given to these guys. That's it. That was it. I had no control. They hired a guy without telling me. So if I was a partner, I wasn't, you know, it, there was a lot of, I guess I was very hands off in a way. So when he died, it was like, I was really trying to make this work even better than what my dad was doing, you know, by getting another sculptor. I couldn't get another sculptor who did a very good job. Um, so I said, you know what? I know how to draw. I know how to paint. Um, I have an art background. I'm going to give it a whirl. And I got some stuff and I, I sculpted a I sculpted three faces and uh, one of them outsold all the other faces. We had, oh, really? we had 11 faces before that. And this new one outsold all of them over the next year. So what were the three that you made? What kind of faces were they? Uh, I was going to bring one actually. Um, I would say um, I picked two celebrities and kind of melded their faces together. Oh, okay. That was going to be my question. Like what were the prototype? Like, yeah. Who, who, what were the faces, like yeah. the face prototypes, I guess. I didn't want to like it. come out and say this, this is supposed to look like her. Cause yeah. they, it didn't really look like either one of them, but it looked like a new person, you know, based on Jessica Alba and, um, what's her name? Brad Pitt's old ex-wife. Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Uh, okay. I could see so, how that would be know, very popular. Great lips, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it doesn't look like either one of them. I guess you could kind of look like Angelita Jolie a little bit. If, right. you, if I told you that, you could then find that. But anyway, it was just a new, a new face, you know? Okay, so question. I didn't ask this before, but obviously everything is anatomically correct. So the mouth can be used also, since we're bringing up lips. Is Dep- that correct? Depended on the face. Okay. My dad only built one that was anatomically correct, which is a funny thing you should bring up because... Typically in other dolls, what we had seen was that the minute they open that mouth up big enough, because the the face isn't, most faces on other dolls, the mouth isn't open very much. Maybe a slight open mouth. Like a slight part, sexy part. Right, right, that thing. And um, what would happen is guys would then obviously try to use that. It was intended for that. And they would tear it at the corners of the mouth. The silicone would tear Mm because it was being pulled, you know, over time that would tear. And my dad had done the research and seen how that was going on. And he's like, uh, so he actually made a face that was in the position of, you know, (laughs) (laughs) primed for, yeah, yeah. And it either she's, <laughs> <That> job. <laughs> either <Blow> she's <laughs> singing, 
<laughs> exactly. So either the the doll is singing, ooh, you know, like that, or she's, you know, doing something else. And what it did was he was able to form that whole face to where it didn't rip. That it didn't get tears here because there was it was kind of an O-shaped mouth. Gotcha. Awful. It looked awful. Someone <laughs> well, it probably looked perpetually scared. I'm, I would, uh, yeah. like, maybe a little shocked. Right. Depending on what you did with the eyes, yeah. you know, and stuff. Because the eyes were actually made of another uh, acrylic, and you would fit them in there. And my dad had built something based on a Model T driving mechanism to where if you could, there was a slit right in front of the ear, and you could put your fingers in there, and you could push this thing, and it would turn both eyes from side to side oh. at, at the same time. So they were connected. So one eye wasn't looking one direction and one right. the other direction, or cross-eyed. This was like they were aimed together. Yeah. And you could just push that that lever inside, and it would turn the eyes. Because he liked, his whole aesthetic thing was he liked when a girl would look at him sideways. Like she would kind of like give him a glance, you know. <laughs> so she'd tilt her head and smile and then look at him from the side rather than just straight at you right. like a deer in headlights. He hated the deer in headlights look. So he liked for his females to look a little coy. Right. Yep. So um, with that, then you have this mouth that's wide open and everything. Someone actually named it a uh, something to do with the Simpsons. And, and when, I lo- when I saw it and I th- looked at the Simpson face they were talking about, it was very much like his lips were just kind of in this it's hard to explain i think i know like sometimes when they're talking yeah on that show their mouth makes this very oval yeah. kind of o yeah face yeah yeah so like when somebody's actually doing oral sex it makes sense everything you know you don't look at their mouth and go that looks weird yeah you know why it looks the way it does because it's in use in that way but when it's not then when you buy it, it is, it's already in that, that shape, right. you know? So, um, people had a hard time with that, but people bought it. And the way he did it was you just pull the head straight off and pu- put another one on. It had like a, um, a stem underneath un- coming out of the neck. So the head would come right down over that stem and then it could tilt. Oh. So the stem had to then fit into the neck onto a ball and it had like a ball joint so that the stem could tilt from side to side. Again, going back to the koi look, you know, most other dolls were just straight up. You couldn't get them to tilt from side to side like that. Um, at least not, they, they do now, but back then that was kind of a new thing. Anyway, so there we go. We have, so you had this, these faces. And then once he was gone, I started making these faces and uh, it started working. And I learned how to make a mold. I learned how to pour the silicone. And then when things went bad with these two guys, I went down to to Orange County and my girlfriend was with me and she knew about all this stuff, you know, for a couple of years. And she just looked at me and I had taken it to another company, another company in, in Pasadena. And it was awful. It was like if I had taken everything to a hoarder, but they had a company that built stuff and they knew how to use silicone and stuff. I, I thought this was a good idea. We went there to, to see how they were do working on our dolls that we had paid them to build. And the place, the, the molds were everywhere. Like they didn't put the molds in one space. Like here's all of Ruby 13 stuff. My client, Ruby 13, there was some mold here, some molds there. Other people's stuff was on top of our molds. Uh. And these molds are expensive. You know, these are like probably some of them like 20 grand to make one set of molds. And there are now there are four dolls at this point. 
and um, 11 heads and everything has two molds. So scattered in this mess. And my girlfriend looks at me and she goes, we got to take this back with us. I can't leave it here. And so we went and rented a big storage, a big uh, truck and spent the rest of the day packing everything in there and took it to Utah, which is a whole nother thing. (laughs) Okay. So you, and for reference, this is Amy you're talking about. Amy, who I previously interviewed, who is the ex-Mormon. Okay. So you guys took these dolls to Utah Mm -hmm. and then you started to build them yourselves. We got them all the way back to Utah in this huge truck. I backed into our driveway and I thought, I don't know even where we're going. I had given up. I had a studio up there and I had given it up and now I had no place to put all this stuff. And I went out that morning, the minute I got home, got in my other car and went and literally found a place within an hour. Just, it all worked out. Then we had to, we had to unload everything in there and start figuring it out. And we had almost no information as to how anything worked. We did know the companies we bought the stuff from. So they were um, helpful. But yeah, there's in, there's a lot to it. It's funny because people will get on the forum and they'll go, you guys take too long. I'm going to go in my garage and figure out how to do this myself. And we're like, go for it. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> But it was it was a lot of work, and there's there's one funny story I want to tell you about when before we moved everything it was when my dad was still alive. We had this studio in Westminster, and it was in a you know one of those commercial industrial parks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all the fronts look the same. It's usually a, a slide up door, so you can drive in and put stuff in. Then it's got a regular door on the side. Yeah. Yeah, and then some wind some black kind of dark windows that you can kind of see through if you put your eyes up close to them. That's every door look like that. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you know I where I'm going. I think I might know where this is going. We're going. <laughs> exactly. So um, FedEx shows up seven o'clock in the morning. Who's open at seven in the morning? Nobody's at work at seven in the morning. So this guy is like knocking on the door, trying to deliver a package to us and nobody's answering. So he looks through the window And in the distance, he vaguely makes out there's a woman sitting in a chair with her back to the door. You know, she's got a because they had him sitting there. You know, there were a couple dolls there that weren't going anywhere. They were like mess ups or whatever. But my dad put still put the head on and he'd have him sitting in a chair and he put the wig on. They look like a real person still sitting there. And that's what he sees. And he's like knocking and she's not turning and he gets nervous. He's like, oh, why is she not responding to me? Is something wrong with her? Is she hurt? Is she dead? You know, maybe I came across a dead body. You know, he's like all these thoughts keep right. rushing through his head. Um, so he calls the cops. The cops show up. <laughs> they look through. Same thing. They're knocking. They're trying to get her attention. Nothing. So they break the window in. <laughs> and of course, they're just looking at each other going, what did we just do? <laughs> She's a doll, you know? And that was it. And so it was like, we got a check for 550 bucks from the police department <laughs> to pay for our window. It was kind of funny. But um, yeah, I'd love to have been there, you know. See, be a fly hear, on the wall yeah. to like hear them freak out over that. Oh yeah. my goodness. So, well, hey, at least they cared. Yeah. At least they cared. Right, true. You it could have been, yeah. you know. You it could have been a t- woman in distress. You have to take you those know? risks. 
Being so tied up, yeah. You know, for know. those taxpayers in Westminster, <laughs> you paid for a window <laughs> that went to a doll factory. Um, so what was the learn? What was the learning curve when you guys brought the dolls back to Utah? How long do you think it took for you both to figure out how to make them? Well, luckily, um, about a year before, when my dad had died, I went in with my video camera. And I said, I want to videotape the process. They did not like that. And they were not very helpful, but they couldn't do much. They were working on dolls. So they had to, um, they basically just, I got to see a lot of it. Not all of it, but some of it. And it was on video. And I'm, I told them, I go, look, here's the thing. One of them had a DU, two DUIs or something. He had enough DUIs to where if he'd had another one, He's not coming back to work. He's going to jail. And then we're screwed. And I said, I have to protect myself here. If you're not, if you don't, or, you know, what if you guys die? Like yeah. you're coming to work and you get in a car accident, you're both dead. Yeah. Then there yeah. we have no business. Right. So I have to, I have to protect myself because I might be stuck making a doll. I hope not. But, and you know, so we had a little bit to go by. Um, not everything that we needed, but I remember the first doll we made was a torso doll. And I don't know if you know what torso dolls I are. I don't. So most companies make a torso doll where the legs cut off at the hip, like right about here. Okay. And then at the arms, right about here. And it's so that, you know. So um, kind of at the joints of yeah, the arm and the legs. Of the shoulders and the, and the hips, kind of. Yeah. And the idea is that, you know, these are heavy. And some guys like to take these on business trips and they'll put them in their um, luggage. And that way, if they have no arms or legs, you can still. They're still sex dolls. Right. But they fit in your luggage, I guess. And they're lighter. And, you know, that's one thing I love to talk about with this is that people who buy these dolls are not always what people think. And so the perceived value of humans that buy dolls is very interesting when you talk to people about, oh, you know, I've I've built these dolls. My dad, my dad has a sex doll company. And it's funny to hear people's response. To that, especially um, Mormons or um, Christians or anyone who has some kind of a value that they think this is wrong. Right. You know, and, and it's really interesting. Um, they always think, oh, that's just a bunch of frat boys who want to get a doll. And I'm thinking, well, frat boys would not buy into this. They want a $50 blow up toy that they can pop and go home. Yeah. This is a doll that literally takes a lot of effort. So you got to spend about $5,000. But then you've got to mess with her makeup. You know, you have to keep her. It's a lot of upkeep. And having done photo shoots with these dolls and you have to deal with like a wig and the, how the wig's hair is attracted to the silicone. It's like static electricity. And so the wig is the hair is always in the way. It's always a problem. <laughs> and you can't just tell the model, hey, could you pull your hair out of your way? You have to go do it yourself. It's a lot of work. Too much work for me. I don't know that I could be a doll person. I wouldn't have the uh, patience. <laughs> but there's some guys who love that. They love to take care of these dolls and they keep them clean. They, you know, it's a lot of work. So speaking on that, about that, the, the, the type of person that you have seen that have bought these type, how would you describe the average customer? Yeah. Um, I don't know that there is an average customer. Okay. They're all over. Like, um... There's some people who are extremely shy and extremely introverted. Um, I had one guy order 
a doll he didn't want. He wanted me to go out and buy the clothing for her too. And he paid me to do it. Like he just was afraid of everything about it. And very, you could tell just talking to him on the phone, very introverted and just shy. And you know, those are social, I don't know, just the way he was socially. And so that's not a guy who's necessarily going to go out and hit up the town and try to sleep with every girl. Right. You know, he's just, that's not his thing. It's not his strong points. That doesn't make him a bad person. It just makes, those are his like uh, weaknesses, maybe you yeah. could call it. And so this is a perfect thing for him. But then I've also had a guy who's a doctor who was married and they would, she knew he was buying it. Like they bought it together and then she would do the makeup. She loved it. And it would become part of their sex. Like they would become a three-way. But it didn't become a three-way that became a problem. Right. That's a very safe three-way right Right. There. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, if she gets, you know, in the way, you can just throw her out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it literally just, you know. I'm done with that other woman. <laughs> and just, yeah. Put her Do in the I trash. have to get rid of <laughs> yeah. whoever? Yeah. He comes home one day and she's like, she's gone. She's gone. But, and I've had women who've ordered them, you know, which I don't think too many women probably think that happens. Who, women who are outside that world. I don't think right. they think that they think it's all these, like I said, frat boys. Yeah. But it's actually usually people, I would say over the age of 35, some guys have given up on women. Some guys have been hurt really bad. And this is uh, um, a way to get around that. I wrote that movie game face and it was all, it's all about someone coming out of a relationship and now having a hard time trusting and um, someone watched that movie right after I made it. And she's like, I just don't understand how your main character, he's so good looking. I just don't understand how he can't find a girl. And I said, no, it's not about whether he can attract a girl. He's a good looking guy. Yeah. It's about does he trust yeah. anybody and women, men, anyone. He's, he's in a very, he's in a space in his life where he doesn't trust people. And so to him. And that makes it hard to be intimate if you can't trust anybody. Right. Yeah. Right. But. You know, there's so many thoughts about men like, oh, men will have sex with anyone and they'll have sex at any time. And that's not true. There's if a man is like, you know, I've been angry at my girlfriend. I'm like, I'm not getting together with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a, you know, I need to clear up yes. how I feel about you right now. It's, right. I'm not just like, well, I'll have sex anyway. Um, and I'm, I might be different, but, you know, I think that having this business and, and getting to know hundreds of people. I don't know how many we sold. I don't know how many. I can't. I don't think we got at least 500 dolls. But you you get to know people pretty well on that basis because, number one, they're trusting you with a lot of money. And you're trusting, um, you're getting to know their trust levels with everything. And they... And that's a really intimate, you know, thing to trust someone you don't know with. These are all people that are in search of at the end of the day, kind of like a sense of intimacy, physical, you know, like mm -hmm. the first guy you were talking about who's shy, you know, he right. probably just has this need to be touched and to touch, yeah. which is a very basic need for all humans. But also for someone shy, that can be very, very vulnerable to right. leave that trust in someone else's hands. Yeah. That you like, this is what I, this is what I need. Can you help me with right. that need? And without laughing at me or yeah. judging me or anything like that. And some of them wouldn't talk like, uh, to a woman, you know, they'd only want to talk to another guy. And since I was already in the company, they just assumed, Hey, I can talk to you. You're not going to shame me. And shame is a huge problem. I grew up in, you know, a church where, you know, you get shamed for masturbation, you get shamed for anything you did wrong. 
And these are guys who've, you know, that's not just part of the Mormon church. That's part of a lot of churches. Yeah. And part of a a lot lot of cultures, a lot of cultures. Yeah. And so these guys are all coming out of that and they're like, okay, I just want to be able to talk to someone. I like this. And, and I've literally seen threads on the doll forum and other places where men will say, do you ever sing to your doll? And so that takes it to a whole nother level. So I think, um, both my girlfriend and I, um, we've both come away with one thing in particular we've talked about a few times and that is empathy. And a lot of people who will judge and make fun of this don't understand, you know, they think everyone, well, there's somebody for everybody. And I would say, Oh yeah. How about that guy right over there? Would you go out with him? And they're like, they won't say anything because they know they won't. And I said, so, well, what's he going to do? Yeah. You know? And the thing is too, is, Let's say you have a guy who's 400 pounds and maybe not so attractive and you know how he probably feels about himself. So someone will say, oh, but there's, there's someone for that guy. I'm like, who? And then they, what do they do? They point Show out another a, person a girl, who's overweight, a girl who's right. overweight. And they'll say, well, how about her? She's 400, 300 pounds, whatever. Same thing. And I said, well, is he going to be attracted to her? Yeah. And attraction is a big thing, you know? So... I'm not saying he's not, and I'm not saying that two people like that won't get together. That's possible. It happens. But you can't say that's a rule. You can't lay that down and say, let's blanket statement. Every guy, there's someone for them. Yeah. You know, and I think mostly, though, emotionally um, maturity and um, damaged, you know, someone comes out of a situation where I've, I have not, I have heard so many guys say, yeah, got cheated on, got cheated on, got cheated on just tired of it and this was their answer and you know not for everyone yeah like my dad would say this after he built one he had one sitting in his little his little trailer and it just sat there and he'd like every night every now and then i'd come over and he had like moved her around a little bit but she's just now posed a different way (laughs) but he just said you know it's weird because i'll wake up in the morning and she's sitting there looking at me and it's almost like he goes "I'll, i'll say hi and it's like having a presence so this moves on to another story. There's a very famous author. I won't say his name because it's, I don't tell who, but there's a very famous author. I grew up with his books, call, uh, emails me and says who he is. And he says, you know, I'm in my eighties and, um, I'm married, but my wife is gone a lot and he wanted to buy one of our dolls. He goes, the reason I chose one of your dolls is because they're happy. They're not deer in headlights they're actually got a pretty happy face. There's you even have one face that's smiling and he goes, that's what I want. And he goes, she's just going to sit in here. Like he's 80. He's been in, you know, he's had some physical problems and stuff. I doubt he was even going to use the doll for sex. It was just to fill a place, yeah. you know, to sit in for his wife while she was out. Well, and, it's almost similar to like people who have plants and they talk to plants, right? You know, you yeah. you water them and you nurture them and you treat them like people and you love them. And that's probably what he was planning to do with the doll. Like, yeah. Just it's company. It's it holds a, the space. Yeah. That's what Amy says when she life coaches. She goes, sometimes you're just there to hold the space, which means just listen. And dolls are great at listening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they might not come back and say anything, but. I think there's a company that's working on that right now. They have computer systems inside the head. Yeah, I read something about like these AI sex dolls that yeah, are... That's real doll, I think, down in uh, in San Diego. I mean, talk about taking it to the next level. Yeah. 
I don't think it'll ever really replace anybody, though. I don't think women should worry mm, about that. Yeah, I don't. But it's kind of fun. But I guess. serving a purpose, serving I a need. I wouldn't spend the money on it unless she could cook. Because <laughs> we, because we, we work until we're so hungry that we have to go out and eat. Because we can't even wait long enough to make ourselves some food. We're like starving by the time we stop. Well, I feel like if there was a doll that was able to do that, then you guys would have to like the business would have to start having male dolls as well because oh, yeah. they do. Uh, they do. They do have. To, okay. We, we didn't, but but yeah, there, there are companies. Com- yeah, there's at least two companies I know that have male dolls. I mean, so. talk about a male doll that could cook <laughs> and talk. Yeah. But, like, only certain things, like, yes, honey, you're, you're right. <laughs> Just one of them. <laughs> okay. What do they call it? <laughs> honey-do list. <laughs> yeah, honey-do list, right. They're out back fixing things. <laughs> I mean, okay, so you guys are making these dolls in Utah. At what point did you stop? Did you sell the business? Yeah. Yeah, so I think I did it for about four years, and then we... um I was only in Utah to wait for her children to be, you know, out of out of high school and stuff. And then we were going to move back here. And that's what happened. And so once that time came, um, I found someone who wanted to buy it. And he kind of just took over. And I didn't really make any money off of it. Um, I just needed to let go of it because yeah. it wasn't. He took on everything and just moved on. Um, so, yeah, that was the end of that. So when I sold it, I sold it to a guy who I hopefully he had some money on his own that he could put into it and get it going again. But I don't know that that's going to happen. Who knows? So do you you don't know what's happened to the business? No, I've I've it. tried really hard to just walk away and say, look, you bought it. Yeah, here yours. are the here's what you need to do. Here's people that still need a doll, and you're on your own now. And he got a very good price, and I hope he hope it works for him. I don't I don't I don't know. I don't want to know, <laughs> but, but so the, the, the boobs you felt 20 minutes ago, um, I sculpted those. Oh, you did. Yeah. So my dad, you know, obviously he's passed away. That was our sculptor. So when I started sculpting faces, I thought, Hmm. And people kept asking, Hey, you know, you have that. We, we had a set of boobs. They were smaller, believe it or not, smaller, but kind of big like that, but not that big. And my dad had made those and they had sold really well, you know, and people were saying, do you have any that are bigger? <laughs> and I was like, really? You need them bigger than that? Those are pretty big. And I said, all right, I'll see what I can do. And so to, like, I think it was about two years ago, I just sat down and thought, okay, here's this sculpt that my dad had started, but it never went anywhere. And I just added on to it and started a new sculpt that was what people were asking for. And it's doing really well. It did really well while I was selling it, and then I sold the company. But yeah, that's that's my sculpting. And I've thought briefly when we moved here, I thought, well, I could do that again. You know, maybe I make another set. Because people like small pieces in that world. You now, know? but what do you do with just... I mean, first of all, they're beautiful set of boobs. <laughs> They're big. Yeah. I think they're they're probably like, I mean, I like being a part of what they call the itty bitty titty committee, but <laughs> I would say if there was, so, if there were a set of boobs that was like in my dreams I could have, uh-huh. those would probably be the ones. 
Those they're, are those they're, are really big. Yeah, they're, they're like, really big, but like for a day, like it would, oh, for a day, right? You know what I mean? Just if it was like, out, you yeah. know, I want to try out a set. I think it would be <laughs> yeah that. Well, so here's what's funny. Last month, I went to a sex shop in um, by our house in um, Huntington Beach, and just talking to the people there, just getting a feel for like what's going on in that world. And there was a woman there who was working there who was really open. Like she told me all kinds and she was really knowledgeable. So we kind of hit it off because I know a lot of stuff now too. And we're talking about different ideas, different thoughts, different things people are making now. The world is going towards transgender stuff now. Um, They're making things for say a person who has um, transitioned from a woman to a man, but wants to seem like, look like a man in a men's bathroom. They have a thing that they can add to themselves so that they can go to the bathroom like a man standing at a urinal. Like, that's that's brilliant. Yeah, that is totally brilliant. Yeah. And I thought, wow, I didn't even know this stuff existed. And this is so cool that that's so sometimes I'll do that. I'll go into a place like that because I'm like, I know how all this stuff's built. And this woman came in. She was probably in her 70s easily and her husband. And they came in and they're asking this woman, it's Halloween tomorrow. I need some boobs. I want to do this, this, um, outfit where I have these huge boobs. And, um, it was hilarious. And I'm just sitting there watching this cause you know, it cut into our conversation and they're over there talking and they said she, they didn't have any at this store. They didn't have any boobs for sale. Like usually you find that in a store like that, but they were, that's one thing they didn't have. And I said, do you mind if I cut in? <laughs> and the, and the, uh, boobs up here. Yeah. I happen to have, I had two sets um, in my storage that were the ones I had made. And then one set that my dad had made that were still in silicone. And, you know, they're about a year old, but they're, you felt it. It's just as good as yeah. it was when it was new. Anyway, she bought them. So. Well, you know, you might uh, have something else on your hands there. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to do it. I really don't. I, like, I, I really enjoy filmmaking and I'm just going to stick with that. But there's always that thought in my head of like, now that I've understood how to engineer all this stuff. Right. And I've learned how to make molds and it's all very technical and stuff. But I put in so much time, even just learning how to sculpt, you know, I've made, I don't know if you know, I have a little um, kind of a Frankenstein head that I painted. No. And then I sculpted it. So I have it. He's about that big. Oh, and, wow. And I've made a bobble out of him. It's got like, kind of like a steampunk bobble head. And he has a bolt in the side of his head. And it's kind of a gray skin because he's dead, you know. And he's got all these cuts and things in his face and stuff. And then I punched hair into him. You can punch hair into the silicone. Oh, that's awesome. And then I painted him a little bit and put the eyeballs in. And it's really cool. But there's so many things that can be made with silicone. I mean, the minute I started learning that stuff and then I started thinking about how I could apply that to filmmaking. And that's my problem is I do way too much in a film. I make I do everything in the filmmaking process. You know, I need to learn to let go of some stuff, (laughs) but, but the silicone, the prosthetics and the things you can put on faces. And I've done some art pieces. Um, I made some wings and put them on these models so that they're kind of like fairies, but they're really demented looking fairies. And this, the wings are all made of silicone with aluminum bones. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is fun. So, okay, let's say there's someone listening and they're thinking, I could do this. Yeah. I could, I could, I could, you know, I'm an artist. I like sculpting. I could figure out the silicone part of it. Yeah. 
what would be your advice to them? Actually, I do think it's possible. You probably want to put about five grand into stuff, tools and things you need. Um, not in silicone yet, but just in like tools and things. The hardest part of it, and believe me, I've thought about actually doing a training program. I mean, I thought, that's not a bad idea. I have all this knowledge in my head has got to be useful. And um, the hardest part of it is literally the sculpt. If you can sculpt, you know, a good looking body and good looking face um, in a specific position and then learn how to make a mold around that. That's the hard part, I think, is making that mold and, and, and having just the right sculpt in the first place. I made the sculpt of the face and the heads. I made three heads and then I made the mold on that. And that was fairly simple because the, the mold is just, you know, half and half back head, back of the head, front of the head like that. And you just pull it apart with a body. You've got these curves going on. And so it's a little more difficult, but after that it's doable. It's doable. It's, it's really, I've seen dolls though, that look terrible. And that's the problem is with the sculpt, the sculpt looks awful. And so that's really the, the hardest Meaning part. Meaning probably the uh, the dimensions are off, or that it doesn't look realistic. Like what's what's a bad um, doll? Some, some people just don't understand anatomy. Okay. And so, yeah, proportions. You know, um, and my dad had a really good. Con- he was good at that. He was good at that. And then, you know, you can look at a hundred faces, and you might think that face is pretty and someone else might come along. Like I had people who said, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to make Angelina Jolie with that face. I know that I can see that. I don't really like her that much. I don't think she's that good looking. It's like, so don't buy one. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to buy that face. Get a different face. I was, I was probably not the best salesperson. (laughs) One guy ordered one, one order. The whole time I was involved, one guy ordered with no sexual parts. And I don't know what he used it all for. I don't ask people what they use the doll for. I don't want to know. <laughs> this is up to you. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah, it's like, I just, and he was very adamant, please don't put the sexual parts in. It's like, okay, that's two little pieces that we take it. We don't even put into the mold. And then that just fills up with silicone and it's, she is nothing. She's just, what do you just call it? Just a doll. Yeah. Cool. Well, before we end, I always ask my guests a couple of questions. Okay. (laughs) I didn't know this part. (laughs) I told her, but I I realized I was like, oh, I didn't tell Jim this. Okay. Um, So it's just kind of like, I call it a rapid fire. It's really not that rapid. Um, (laughs) Just questions I like to throw out there. Okay. Um, So let's give it a whirl. Okay. Okay. First kiss. My first kiss, seven years old. And it was me, another guy and a girl. And she kissed me and then she kissed him. (laughs) Yeah. And we were at like a park during 4th of July. So, you know, everyone goes crazy going all around 4th of July. We, we snuck off across the street and did this. I don't even know how that happened, but that was, yeah, that was my first kiss. (laughs) So meaningful, right? (laughs) Yeah. So meaningful. That is a, that's, I think that's the best one I've heard. Really? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, favorite book Mm. wow or even a book that you keep coming back to most of my books are about like photography and stuff um so one i really like right now that i've been reading i've read it like two or three times i actually have it on tape or on um 
Kindle is um, it's called Eugene Smith's Sink. And it's about a photographer named Eugene Smith who was around in like the 40s and 50s and 60s. In fact, Johnny Depp is making a movie right now. It should come out in April. It's about him in Japan in the 70s. It's about Eugene Smith. And um, he was just, he lived during a crazy great time. And he was a life photographer for Life magazine. And then he dumped his whole family and everything and went in New York and lived in a little loft place in on 6th Street in Manhattan in the 50s when it was just a junk place to live, but he could just live however he wanted to. And there were all these jazz artists all around him. And he then wired the whole building and recorded 4,500 hours of jazz. Oh, wow. And we're talking jazz not intended for people to necessarily hear. They were just working stuff out. They weren't rehearsing and they weren't performing. So it was a lot of improvisational yes, jazz, tons. just, ugh. And then he's a photographer, so he also took, you know, 40,000 photos. So it's an interesting, and that happened for about 10 years. And I just, I love that. That's that's the thing I've been just obsessed with for the last year. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Wow, old. <laughs> um, you and me both. I'm kind of like, I'm not looking forward to ever retiring. I, like one of my favorite uh, cinematographers kind of, worked until he died and he was in his 90s and he, who was that um uh, well now i can't think of his name <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy who he um he was one of the first guys to do technicolor and stuff and like he did do you know the movie the red shoes mm -hmm. he did that okay he did yeah amazing cinematographer so um it's just i just saw this thing on him and he was like sitting on a set and he's like 90s you know and he's just going he's just in it and when you love that form of art, you know, love making films, you just, you're always thinking about it. And you just, I don't want to retire. Yeah, I don't see how you could decide to retire for, from something that you love so much. Right. You know, like if you love it, then you want to keep doing it because that's where you're most alive. Yeah. For sure. What is um, a quote you live by? Oof. <laughs> Everybody just loves that yeah, question. Yeah, a quote I live by. Um, that I live by. Or even just one you like. Yeah. That you, you hear and you think, oh, that, that's a good one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to think about that one for a minute. Okay. We'll come back to that. Okay. Okay. This is the last one. Okay. Um, if you know me, then you know, dot, dot, dot. So you have to fill in the blank. Oh, for about me yeah. or about you? If someone knows you, like, what <laughs> is the thing that if someone really knows you, they know this thing about you? Uh, that everything is interesting to me. Like, I have way too many interests. <laughs> Seriously, I have, like, um, I paint, I sculpt, I edit, I do photography, I do music. I've um, played guitar, I played French horn, I played trumpet. I had no idea. Yeah, I I have way too many interests. Um, I surf, I bodyboard, stuff like that at the beach. Uh, there's very few things like like right now. I'm like, uh, Amy just got a new kiln, and so I'm like, oh, I'd like to make some coffee cups. 
I know that sounds stupid, but you know, there's just like little things. I'm like, Oh, I want to do, I can make that. And I, it's hard for me to walk into stores and see things and go, I don't want to buy it. Cause I, I could make that and I'd, I'd make it better than that. I made a rocking chair. Like I made, um, a craftsman rocking chair in my own design. I made a couple of them actually. Oh, wow. uh, so yeah, I just like, I get into too many things. And the hard part for me is I don't niche very well. And it, that's what you're supposed to do in business is niche. And I'm like, I'm all over the place. Oh, <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for coming. And, of course. Thanks for um, inviting me. I so love, I learned a lot about the sex business, <laughs> the yeah. sex toy business I did not know about. And I'm going to, for everyone, I'm going to link up all the stuff, those videos. And you know what? I'm going to even link up Apocalyptic Playground because, I mean, I want people to see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Jim, for coming today sure. and talking. This was a, amazing. This is great. Thank <laughs> you for hanging. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew that the sex doll business would be so technical and also artistic at the same time? Listening, having this conversation with him really made me realize how artistic and, the, you know, just the whole idea that beauty really is in the eye of the beholder. I think you think that um, people who are ordering these things, they aren't, that maybe they aren't as discerning. Um, but it turns out listening to this, I think that was the thing I got the most that the customers that he had for this particular business, they are very discerning. They know what they want. They uh, know what they need and they seek that out. And you know what? I, I'm all for that. Seek out what you need. If you feel like that this is your way to have a connection I think especially being in quarantine, a lot of people are alone, single people. I feel for you. You know, I'm here with my kid that's getting on my nerves every so often. But, you know, being at home by yourself, I think not being around people, maybe Zooming a lot, it really hits home that how important interaction is and how important touching is. Being touched, being able to touch someone else. I, I think we all can at some point in our life relate to that, to having that need. And so, you know, kudos to people who are out there trying to figure that out. And if this is your way of figuring that out, of ordering a sex doll, then, hey, you figured it out. Good for you. Um, the whole idea of even someone would buy one for a threesome, I think that is freaking brilliant, first of all, because, um, you know, there are people out here who have who have had marriages that have broken up over that. And you know what? That's a simple ass solution. Get someone and maybe they're expensive. You know what? If that's what you guys need, if that's what your husband or if that's what your wife wants, pay six grand to have somebody into your relationship that has no voice. <laughs> um, You guys own them. You guys um decide how they can be used. You can throw them in the closet if they don't work. I, I think that's kind of brilliant. And I think that's a solution that, you know, if you're out there and that's something you're considering, I think that is something you should definitely think about because um, it didn't occur to me. Not that we're not thinking about that, but I just think if you are, hey, that is a route you should go down. It's a safe way to practice intimacy for people who need that. You know, maybe you're not a good conversationalist. Having a person, a real, a person that looks real in the corner and you can talk to them. Um, I think that's kind of invaluable. And, you know, maybe you don't have the live risk of being turned down, 
but it almost is kind of like a child playing by themselves, like learning social cues by, you know, playing restaurant or playing, you know, house or, you know, playing to be a doctor, you know, playing it against yourself. I think there's something interesting there that as an adult, we explore less and less. And maybe these people are onto something that they get to explore that without, um, without being ridiculed for it. And Perhaps, hopefully, they venture out in the real world and put those social cues to use. But in the meantime, they're figuring it out at home on their own. So, yeah, I th- those are things I really didn't even think about when it comes to this business. So interesting. I love that conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it, too. And if you are looking to reach out to Jim, feel free to reach out to him on his Instagram at Brash Studios. He is, uh, like you said, he's a filmmaker. He's a photographer. He is a modern day renaissance man. He does everything. Um, He is a I've actually had my pictures taken from him. Also, he's brilliant. So, yeah, seek him out there. You can hit him up on Facebook at Jim Rodimer and let them know what you think. Uh, Maybe you have some more questions about how to get into this business. Maybe you want to push him and tell him that uh, he should definitely, definitely do that idea of having a uh, business of perhaps telling other people how to make their own dolls. Um, Jim, if you haven't started on that yet, I I think you should really uh, look into that. Um, So yeah, hit him up. And if you haven't already, please go to our iTunes, give us a five-star review. Let us know what you think about our episodes, maybe this particular episode. Give me a shout out on Instagram. Hit me up on my personal Instagram at Saudia Rashid, or you can go even to our Instagram page at that one blank friend and tag me. Let me know what you thought about this episode. You can always email me um, that one blank friend at Gmail if you have anything further to say. And yeah, until next time, you guys, I'm going to go back to gardening and watering my plants, hopefully not overwatering them. And that's that. See you guys next week. Ha ha. I don't know what that was. 